From Life Atelier Studio, this is Real, stories of adversity, resilience, creativity, and transformation. I'm Diane McDaniel, and this is the Thanksgiving special episode. Thanksgiving Day is a national holiday celebrated in the United States and a number of other countries. It began as a day of giving thanks for the blessing of the harvest and of the preceding year. It's a day for gathering with family and family friends and for engaging in family traditions and rituals. To mark the day, we're doing a special episode of The Real Podcast. This crowdsourced episode is comprised of reflections on gratitude and how we celebrate Thanksgiving. This is Chris Rice. What I love about Thanksgiving is that it's a big kind of potlatch. It's a big communal meal where everyone brings an offering. I love that. Um, And I know growing up, the Thanksgivings I remember were with my father's family and the white bread dressing and with my mother's family, the cornbread dressing. And I've always made a mixture of the two. And so that's my offering. It's a mixture of those two. It's a big mix. And my most favorite Thanksgiving dinner I ever cooked was influenced by my neighbor who's Dutch Indonesian. And she taught me about a rice table. And so I made curry, I cooked a turkey, and then I made curries, and then I made all the fixing for a rice table. And every single person who came to that meal had a different meal, but we all shared it. We all sat at the same table and we picked the, you know, from the same offering, but we mixed them together in a different way. And to me, that really is the community I love that's Los Angeles. It is what I think of as America, that I'm, uh, cook your turkey, but add your, the, your heritage. I love that. I love that. And it was a joyous Thanksgiving. And and since that time, I've always been open to uh, mixing it up. So I think mix it up. Bring your offering and mix it up. Bring your kimchi. Bring your tacos. Bring, I mean, bring, uh, there's a writer I love uh, who's Persian and Uh, She posts on Instagram uh, pictures of family food, and I think, I want that for Thanksgiving. This is Diane McDaniel. Since my mother, Camille, died almost three years ago, a new component has been added to family holidays, like Thanksgiving. These days of celebration and feasting are now also occasions for me to think about Camille and reflect on how I miss her. One of the many valuable skills I learned from my mother is how to be an attentive hostess and make my guests feel well taken care of. Camille always made an effort to welcome her guests with a beautiful table set with a special tablecloth, plates, glassware, flatware, candles, and flowers. Like her, I like to set a pretty table and use serving dishes that make the food look especially appetizing. Her legacy of gracious hospitality lives on in me at these moments. For most of the 20 plus years we've been together, 
Philippe and I have hosted Thanksgiving at our house for a mashup of family and friends. Two strong-headed people who each like to take the lead can be a recipe for disaster in the kitchen. But it's surprisingly easy for us to work in sync when a crowd is coming together. One person takes the lead in the kitchen and the other takes care of organizing everything else. We easily negotiate the tricky dance of leading and following when entertaining guests. As we're preparing to gather with my family this year for Thanksgiving, I've been thinking about the last time I celebrated this holiday with my mother. It's a memory that fills me with shame. At the same time, I have compassion for myself and enormous gratitude for what I have learned the hard way since then. After two months of visiting doctors to understand a growing number of seemingly unconnected medical issues, in November 2013, Camille received a devastating diagnosis of ALS. Two of the most pronounced symptoms were her increasing inability to articulate speech and severe difficulty swallowing. Camille had so much difficulty swallowing that my brother Patrick had had to perform the Heimlich maneuver on her in a restaurant the previous spring. She had lost 25 pounds since summer. As I prepared to set the Thanksgiving table on our back porch just two weeks after she had received her diagnosis, I wondered what to do about my mother's place. Camille had received a feeding tube a few days prior to her diagnosis to prevent her from losing more weight, and she had still been eating what she could by mouth. This was something we wanted to discourage, as we were all very, very concerned about her choking. We were having such a difficult time reconciling ourselves to the diagnosis Camille had received, and we wanted to help her stay safe and live as long as possible. In deciding what to do about my mother's place at the Thanksgiving table, I didn't do the very thing that I would want if I was in Camille's place. I didn't ask her what she preferred. I didn't ask her because I thought I knew what was best for her. I didn't ask her because I was too concerned with trying to keep her from choking, with trying to keep her alive. I didn't trust that she would make the best decision for herself. I set Camille's place with a placemat and nothing else. When I picture Camille sitting at my beautiful table, surrounded by friends and family, who each had been given a fork and a knife and a plate on which to put the food they chose to eat, I feel ashamed. She had taught me how to make my guests feel welcome, but on this day of thanks, I had neglected to do this for her. The following year, Camille's illness had progressed dramatically, and she had become essentially confined to her home. I didn't invite my parents to our Thanksgiving gathering. Camille died less than two months later. Five months after Camille's death, I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and underwent eight months of treatment. I got to go through my own experience of being the patient, the other, the one who is spoken to and for, rather than being asked what she wants and needs. I'm not thankful for having had cancer. I've escaped it for now, but it may get me yet. What I'm grateful for is the many lessons that I've learned as a result of being stripped to my essence. Some of the most important lessons are that I can remain connected to my humanity in the face of pain, fear, and suffering, and I can be compassionate with myself when I fail.
This is Laura Diamond. I'm grateful to be the granddaughter of Lily Diamond. My grandmother passed away a little less than a month ago, and she was a shining star in my life. I'm grateful I have had her for so long. I'm grateful I can still feel her with me. I'm angry that she doesn't still get to feel the sun on her face, that she doesn't still get to taste fresh bread with butter, that she's not there to hear a cute story about something my son did. But I'm so grateful because of her example of the little things being so important. I'm grateful that I found the stories that she wrote, almost 80 stories. She wrote stories about her whole life from the time that her first younger sibling was born until the time that her great-grandchildren were born. I'm not grateful that we lost those stories for a while so that she never knew that we had found them. I'm grateful to read these stories and see how much we meant to her, even in ways beyond those she told us. I'm grateful I got to spend so much time with her and that I was able to tell her how much I loved her and show her and feel so loved by her. I'm grateful my children got to know her so well, a person who loved life, a person who saw the narrative in a day, who saw the humor in a moment, even if no one else saw it. I'm grateful to have these stories of hers, to be able to put them into my scanner, create a PDF, and share them with the rest of my family. When Thanksgiving comes, it'll be the first Thanksgiving without her. And that's going to be hard because she was a presence. No one who ever met Lily Diamond forgot her. But I am grateful that on Thanksgiving, I will be with so many other people who felt that same love, that same charm, that same magic that defined her life. Thanks for coming to talk to me about Thanksgiving, Alex. Welcome. I like to talk about stuff. Wait, no. So, Alex, you just moved here from New York, right? Yes, I lived in New York for nine years, and I moved at the beginning of the summer. Okay, and so this is going to be your first Thanksgiving in California. Yeah, I'm really excited. It's finally going to be a Thanksgiving where it's not freezing cold. Oh, good. Yeah, usually people are, are longing for that cold weather, but you're going the opposite direction. Yeah. So how is Thanksgiving going to be different this year for you besides the weather? I'm going to actually, I'm finally going out of town for Thanksgiving. I'm going to go to Palm Springs. And um, I'm having people from New York come over to my house instead of me going to my grandparents' house. Hmm, that's going to be fun. So what are some of the things that you're going to do that are going to be the same as what's happened in the past? Well, I'm going to have a Thanksgiving with, like, my grandparents and my family friends and just the same people as I do in New York. Mm, okay. 
And what's going to be different? It's your turn now to put on the event. So have you guys talked about some of the things that you're going to do that are going to be your own traditions? Yeah. Um, I really want to help make Thanksgiving. And my mom's going to, and my dad, are going to try not to stress about it that much. And same with me. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a big deal, right, when you have people over. Yeah. What's your favorite Thanksgiving dish? Um, I really like, I actually just like the turkey, honestly. I have, like, a lot of turkey, and then I take the marshmallow part out of the marshmallow, and... Is that sweet potato? Yeah, sweet potato. You don't like marshmallows? No, I eat the marshmallow separately. Oh, you like the marshmallow. (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) And then what do you guys do after you have the turkey? And the, the whole meal. Do you have any traditions around that? Um, usually we just sort of talk. I mean, we, uh, we haven't, like, again, we haven't had a Thanksgiving where we host it, so we're not exactly sure what we're going to do, but we're probably just going to stand around and talk. All right. Sit. Sounds like a good time. How many people are going to be there in total? Um... I don't know, probably around like, not a lot, probably around like seven or eight. All right, well, it sounds nice. Good luck with your Thanksgiving, Alex. Thank you. This is Tanya Ward Goodman. Thanksgiving is a holiday I really relate to my husband because when I was in my 20s, and we'd only been dating for about a year, less than a year, I had a new tiny apartment, and I was seeing this, you know, younger guy. He was like 25, and I was 28. And my parents, my dad and my stepmother, were coming to Los Angeles to see me in my new single life. I'd been living with like a very you know, awesome, high-power lawyer in a very fancy house in the Hollywood Hills. And now I was living in this little apartment and dating a 25-year-old. And they kept saying, is he really that young? And I would say, yes, he's, you know, whatever. He was an old soul. And so he and I spent the entire week before Thanksgiving kind of coming up with this complicated meal plan for just the four of us. And um, we, like, dug through every Bon Appetit magazine and gourmet magazine and we cut all these things out and we had this kind of giant um, document of Thanksgiving that had you know fresh made rolls and three side dishes and a salad and complicated crudité dip thing and turkey and I mean it was really extremely um, adventurous and very hard and and really a lot of food for four people in a small apartment but um we were determined to do it and I felt really uh I don't know there was something so companionable about going through all these magazines and and finding all these recipes with him and then making this wonderful document and then on the day of cooking um we spent you know the whole night before Thanksgiving cooking and making things and rolling dough and and making pies from scratch. And um, it was all that time in the kitchen, and he always has like a dish towel over his shoulder. 
And every time I would look at him, he was just deeply involved. And I thought, God, here's this guy who's younger than me. He's, you know, I think he still had milk crates in his apartment as furniture. He was using these cast off, sad plastic tumblers that were his parents. You know, it just, he was um, kind of a, a baby, but he had such deep old soul potential that I was like, oh, here he is. And so on the day that my parents were supposed to come in from the airport, I left him um, in my tiny apartment kitchen with like just everything on the brink of being almost done or nearly burnt. And we were just sort of like, okay, timing is everything. I got to go to the airport. I'll see you later. And he just sort of looked at me and he said, I have it. I have it. And I went and I picked them up and I brought them home and my apartment smelled like fresh rolls and there were candles on the table and he had put everything together and I thought, dude, this is my guy. And that, that is Thanksgiving for me. I'm Philippe Browning, Thanksgiving 2017. There is so much to be thankful for. First and foremost, I'd like to say thanks to my lovely life partner, Diane. Diane, thank you for your triumph over deadly disease. Thank you for staying alive. Thank you for being a patient and kind and hopeful wife, even in moments of strife. Thank you for putting the sparkle of your beautiful blue eyes in all our days. Thank you for all the ways you are steadfast. I am thankful for our children, Dexter and Ava. To say they bring me immense joy would be an understatement of epic proportions. I soar when I hear Dexter glide on guitar and when he lets me snap it to share the sound and Ava gliding on ice makes me want to wrap it, a quest for words that can't be found to describe the delights profound of this dynamic duo, now 16 and 10, better than they've ever been. I am thankful for the family that brought me upright. My father at 93, my mother at 89, all my siblings alive and well, even when they don't get along just fine. I am thankful for my nanny, nephews and nieces and in-laws and kind neighbors, and they're keeping the traditions of gathering and connections alive. I am thankful for bountiful work. Thankful for colleagues that are family and friends to me and mine, and for life changes, for flows that find new channels, rivers that all the time find new directions. I am thankful for the great oscillating crystal quartz we call time. I am thankful to grow old and certainly thankful to wear my trousers rolled. I am thankful that I'm able to give thanks. Thank you, Diane, for this great idea for Thanksgiving podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, all. Hi, this is Laura Silverman. I have so much to be thankful for this year that I'm hard-pressed to distill it into a few short sentences, but here goes. At the end of 2016, I had come to a crossroads of sorts and was in a really deep funk, uncertain of how to move forward. My husband George told me to make a list of all the things I love to do most and figure out how to bring them all together. 
So first off, I'm grateful to be married to someone who loves me unconditionally and constantly offers me wisdom and encouragement. That inspiration is what led me to develop the Outside Institute. The idea came to me in a way that felt really natural, almost effortless. And this year has been an odyssey of bringing it to life. I love that I can help people connect with nature by taking them on walks and sharing what I know about our native flora, fauna, and fungi. And I'm filled with gratitude for the tremendous beauty of the natural world and for the chance to delve deeper into it with every day that passes. This is Katherine Davidson. As an American living in London, I don't really do Thanksgiving anymore. It's too hard to keep it up without extended networks of friends and family. I tried, but I didn't get much traction among my English friends and my English family who start focusing on Christmas as soon as the clocks go back. But I wanted to take this chance to reflect on the concept of gratitude because gratitude has really changed my life. I think a while back, I went through a really tough time. I found it hard to notice what I had, and became really focused on what I did not have. I started making gratitude lists, and at first I wondered what I would say. But paying attention to what makes you feel grateful, however trivial, gets you to notice more and more and more. These lists often focus on small things. Someone who smiled at me on the train, a flower I noticed in my neighborhood, my kids getting along and not fighting... But the sense of gratitude can grow and grow, and it soon takes on much more. The ways we don't hurt each other, the ways we don't let each other down, the ways we help, we cooperate, we're kind. In a world where so much of our talk seems to be about what we're missing from each other, it seems even more important to notice what we have is not about things, but about the most fleeting and ephemeral of moments. The leaves turning, a bird in the garden, the peace of a public park. Today, I also want to say how grateful I am for these podcasts whose participants have shared their stories and their wisdom. Thanks. That's it for today's episode. Thank you, Philippe Browning, Alex Clayman, Catherine Davidson, Laura Diamond, Tanya Ward Goodman, Chris Rice, and Laura Silverman for sharing your thoughts on Thanksgiving. If you haven't yet, subscribe to Real with Diane McDaniel wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know why you listened and what you like about the Real podcast. Please rate the show and leave a review on iTunes. Follow Real on Facebook at Real with Diane McDaniel and on Twitter at Real the Podcast. Reach us at realthepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time. I'm Diane McDaniel. Thanks for listening.